Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Doze Knows. It's been a pretty awesome and interesting week here. We've had two Category 4 hurricanes bear down on the state. Luckily, we have a great defense mechanism, which is our giant mountains. They have a tendency of either pushing them away from us or destroying them, and that's what happened. Super, super stoked. Nobody got injured, um, but it did generate some really big waves and great surf all the way around the state. I know everybody's been surfing their brains out. I have, and super, super stoked. Super stoked that um, I, I'm getting a lot of good feedback from everybody here. They're loving the guests. They're loving the show. Um, so thank you, everyone, for tuning in and giving me all this great feedback. And feel free to give me more. Um, if you guys want to be able to contact me, go to my Instagram, uh, Doze. What is it? What, what is my Instagram? It's uh, Dozer Dave. <laughs> uh, Dozer Dave Barnett on Facebook and Dozer Dave Knows on Twitter. So you guys can reach me there. Send me a direct message. Send me an instant message, whatever it is you want. Let me know who you want on the show and we'll try and make it happen. Uh, speaking of making it happen, I can't have this happen without the help of my sponsors. Kona Boys, Hurley, Kona Coffee and Tea, GoPro, Maverick Sport Fishing, Deuce Gym, and Original Nutritionals. But speaking of one of my sponsors, Kona Coffee and Tea, we're having something special this Saturday, September 10th, starts at 8.30 a.m. It's something that, you know, here on the Big Island, here in Kona, if you're here, you guys want to come do this. It's super cool. It's with Everybody gets together. We go up on the mountain to the coffee farms, and it's the first harvest of the year. You get to go out there with your kids, teach them all about the coffee, how it's how it's grown and, and roasted and brought down to us, and we have this little coffee picking session up there, so it's pretty cool. They serve you lunch at 12 o'clock, start picking at 8.30, um, so I'll be up there. Come check it out. Uh, for more information, go to KonaCoffeeandTea.com. And uh, now let's get right on to the meat of the show. I've got a special guest today, uh, Nissen Osternik. Nissen is a former UFC fighter who resides in Maui. He's a badass mofo. He's kicked some serious ass. I'm a f totally afraid of this guy. But at the same time, he is a teddy bear, and I love him to death. He's one of my hunting partners and uh, just an all-around killer guy. He's, he's doing so much for uh, the community, but he's about to tell us. So, uh, Nissen, welcome to Doze Knows. Nissen, welcome to the show, bro. Thanks for having me on this inaugural uh, Doe's Nose live event starring me. Starring Nissen Osternak. <laughs> Dude, um, it's it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. You've been a friend for a long time. Uh, hunting partner, surfing buddy. Um, you know, I, I think I've kind of taught you how to uh, kick people's ass. You know, me being older than you and everything. Yeah, Uncle Uncle knows definitely. Uncle Doe's knows. Uncle Doe's knows. <laughs> now, um, just so the people can get to know you a little bit, um, 
we're going to do a little bit of background about you. Uh, you are born and raised here in Maui. 36 years old, right? Yep. Or 36 and a half. 36 in my prime. In your prime. And uh, <clears throat> you're a former UFC fighter. How did, how did you get started in that? Um, I was started karate when I was little. My daddy should take me. And then first time I saw UFC 1, uh, I was just probably about 12 or 13. I saw Hoist Gracie beat all these bigger guys, and uh-huh. I was probably only 120 pounds at the time. So, Well, you're huge now. <clears throat> I'm huge. Huge, brother. What are you weighing at? I'm like 210 pounds of pure aggression. So you fight in the heavyweight. No, no, definitely not. I'm, 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 uh, I'm a middleweight, so I'd cut down to 185 to when I would fight. Nice, nice. So just a little bit bigger than Conor McGregor and, and uh, those yeah, guys. So you'd be more bit. like, um, who is it, uh, Quentin Jackson? No, Quentin never fought at my weight. He was uh, one weight above me. He's, okay. he's a light heavyweight, 205. I'm uh, like Anderson Silva's weight and gotcha. uh, all those guys. Okay, so back to how you got started. Yeah, so I started training jiu-jitsu when I was probably 15 or 16. And I kind of just, you know, toyed around with it and learned, you know, for self-defense reasons because just growing up in Maui. Mm-hmm. Being uh, a Holly boy. Being a Holly, yeah. First, first day of school, just you get punched in the face pretty much guaranteed. But yeah. um, it was just something that I was kind of like roughhousing, and I knew that um, there was going to be times where I didn't want to get punked for some reason. I just mm-hmm. wanted to be comfortable in my own skin and not have to be worried about defending myself or my family. Right. So I just took up jujitsu and it just came really natural. And here I am, whatever, 20 years later, 18 years later. Yeah. I think I took about a two-year break. Now, getting into the UFC, though, is pretty <clears throat> tough. How were you? How were you able to do that? You, know, uh, you kind of started. You you started with your jujitsu and karate. Um, did you start going into tournaments and yep. you know just kind of traveling doing that? How yeah, did you I get your I, name out there to be in the UFC? Yeah, I, I, I so I had done jujitsu for you know probably like seven years solid when I got into the UFC of like training every day. You know, uh-huh. I kind of dilly dally and I dabbled in it for a long time, training a couple days a week, but. I think I had a really good jiu-jitsu base, and then I hooked up with my Muay Thai coach, who's Maurice Travis. He's like the first American Muay Thai world champion. Mm-hmm. He fought in Brazil, bare knuckle, back bef- like the first Amer- first gringo to go down there and fight the Brazilians. Like, with, nice. with there was hardly any rules, you know, no 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 gloves, nothing. Anyway, he he moved in with me, and uh, we we still had a dojo together for a few years when I was going to college in South Carolina, and he would just train me every day, and he was just a nasty old dude, you know, just. Mm-hmm taught me how to how to hurt people even though that's not really what I wanted to do but it's just kind of what was bestowed upon me and I thought the next logical you know path was to become a a professional martial artist and I did it for over 10 years and traveled around and it was a really awesome experience I got to fight in Brazil twice I fought in Europe um, all over the country you know I think I had about 20 fights and did you get into the big pay-per-view yeah oh I fought on pay-per-view like maybe like two times I think Uh my UFC fight uh, I fought in the WC and the UFC and I had I lost one one really close split decision to Jorge Rivera was my last uh, UFC fight it's actually my only UFC fight because I uh, the WC was owned by the UFC and then they transferred me over and uh, it was it was just a really really close fight, and his daughter had just passed away, and he was well known, and blah uh-huh. blah blah. So 
they I dropped me from the UFC and then I went on like a ten fight winning streak and then I or I think I won nine fights in a row, then I lost one and then I won one. So I was like on the way back to getting into the UFC and So you're ten and one. You're pretty you're pretty off. My 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 record I think is like sixteen and I think sixteen and four. Uh-huh. Like a couple of my fights aren't aren't listed online that I did over here, but yeah, so I was on my way back to going into the UFC, and then I had a really bad accident this last year. I had um, I was get, I was training for a fight. I had knee surgery, and then uh, like about two months later, I was at the lumber yard getting some lumber, and this the guy the forklift operator like knocked a huge load of lumber off no the truck way. next to mine, and like and uh, smashed my metatarsals on my same leg that my knee surgery was. So I. I was immobile. I couldn't rehab my knee right, and now my knee has a bunch of scar tissue, and I can't really do a deep squat without pain, and and my foot hurts. I tried to stand up paddle a couple of days ago, and my foot was just aching like crazy. Even though it's been, uh, it's been like I don't know, eight months or something, something like that. Wow. So anyway, that kind of deterred me, and I'm just like, what? And it's it's so fun. I love training and fighting, but it's just so hard on my body, and uh, I, I don't know what I'm just kind of just taking it one day at a time and not really thinking about you know fighting at this moment so mm-hmm. but um yeah that's how i got into it and that's a, that's a, little, a little short of it but it was a real like i said it was an awesome ride and and i have a lot of scars to prove it <laughs> I, I can see your ears you know you've got some of that what they call cauliflower hair <laughs> yeah i have a, i have a little bit of cauliflower because i took really good care of my ears uh, i think the first time i got some cauliflower was when i was a teenager and my mom freaked out, so um, you just had to learn to protect them. Oh a yeah, little there, bit more I mean, there's there's guys that like want cauliflower to look like all, yeah. look like a wrestler and whatnot, but uh, I just was kind of the opposite. Like, I don't want people to know who I am or what I'm capable of, just because. Sure. Or, I don't know, and it's kind of ugly. <laughs> you know do, what I mean? Do a lot of the people just in the random world when you're walking around, if they see somebody that has cauliflower ear, they they want to step up. Uh, I don't. Like I don't challenge them. No, I mean if they're they stupid, see. they would. Because yeah. if I see a guy with cauliflower ears, I'm not going to want to challenge him. Like that's that. That means he's. You don't get cauliflower overnight. I mean, right. So that means you've been training a long time and you've you've taken a lot of punishment and you know how to how to fight or at least wrestle, mm-hmm. and or play rugby or something. Tough. Now, what gives it? <laughs> what makes that happen? Uh, it's so like if you get hit in the ear, like your ears are made of cartilage. Mm-hmm. So if you get hit, there's it swells up. And then what happens is there's a little bit of cartilage dies inside of your ear. And if you get hit again, it swells up more. And mm-hmm. then more stuff dies. And if you continually get hit, it just swells up. And, it, and the, all the swelling, if you don't drain it, it hardens and becomes mm-hmm. a permanent deformation of your ear. Like on my left ear, it, had I not, this thing was like a, a bubble. Right. And if, had I not, you know, drained it and then packed it, and then wear head and didn't train for a while, or wear you got to wear headgear. Like there's just there's just so many things that you can do to not let your ears go. And my friends were always like, "Let them go, let them go." You know, when I'm training because I mm-hmm. wear headgear and pack it every night and drain it with syringes. Like you stick a needle in and, and pull the fluid out before it hardens. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "Nah, I don't think so." So I mean, I have cauliflower ear, but it's nothing like it could have been. I mean, I would have. Sure. Like how BJ's are, or you know, a lot of most ninety percent of fighters' ears. Become. Yeah, I saw somebody in this last uh, UFC two hundred and two two hundred two. Um, one of the guys, his ears were so cauliflowered out, it was almost the opening 
was almost closed. Yeah, you can't even hear. Some you of the guys can't hear. hear. So that's another reason why I didn't want to let my ears go. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it looks, I think it looks whatever. I just, I just didn't, I made a little bit of effort to save my ears. I mean, you, a lot of those guys are going to get um, like uh, plastic surgery after mm-hmm. the fact because their ears become like a detriment to their, like, you know, you can, they can, they can get it. I don't know. I just, now, seen, it, yeah. you would consider that what scar tissue, right? It Build is, up. It's, it's a permanent deformation of your, of your cartilage. Now you've got, you've got guys like Nate Diaz. Okay. He was in 202 with uh, Conor McGregor the other day. And um, he always seems to open up above his, his eye there, his right eye. So it's it's obvious he's been just beat there so many times. He's built up a bunch of scar tissue, but that seems to open up every time he gets in a fight, right? Yeah, definitely. They're like a lot of the guys that take a lot of punishment. You know, they they have to get uh, plastic surgery and get the scar tissue taken out. Uh-huh. Like Vandele Silva, he got a like it looks like he had a complete facelift because he had so much scar tissue that like it was inhibiting him for being the best fighter he could be because if he gets just a small hit then he's going to open back up because you guys like Nate Diaz and Vandalay guys that take a lot of punishment their styles mm-hmm. take a lot of punishment they want to give you know give one to get one type of style they're going to build up a lot of scar tissue but guys like you know John Jones or you know Anderson Silva they're they're so elusive that they don't have those problems right, because they don't get, they don't get hit, they don't get hit that much. No, I mean you're gonna get hit, you know, as a fighter. I mean it's just obvious, but some guys can, you know, some guys can have a style to where they're not gonna get hit near as much as say like a Nate Diaz or a Nick Diaz. Mm-hmm. I think his brother got the the surgery also and got a lot of scar tissue taken off his face. What were your thoughts on that fight? Uh, they were pretty much toe to toe. I, I think was, Connor I, was kind of. I was like, at the first one. It was it was pretty funny to see all all the Irish guys just crying when right. Connor choked out. Like they're like throwing water bottles and just crying. Probably bet five to one, you know, on Connor and just just weeping. But um, yeah, the second fight. I don't know. I think there should be more draws in our in our sport because when you like give a like a performance where neither guy like lets any back and it's just a hundred percent. You know, they they gave it their all. Mm-hmm. I think they should both. I think it should be a draw and both get a win bonus. You know, like they should both. I mean, obviously, neither of them need needed any much more money for this fight, but I think it shouldn't go as a loss. I mean, it was just so close to call. I mean, both it, it both was, guys got hurt and both yeah. guys were you know on the offensive at times. But it was, like when a fight's that close, I don't know. It's just it just sucks that you have to call a winner, I guess. But I like I'd rather see a draw there. Well, it was so good to see those guys in both fights. Um, even in the first fight, uh, you know these guys are toe to toe. They're just going at it. I think Connor was was pretty much afraid to be taken down on the ground in the second fight here. He knew, I've got to stand up. I've got to keep those punches going. I can't no, go was, down. Well, I'll tell you from the from what I saw was Connor. it wasn't that he didn't want to get taken down because he didn't get taken down. He shot for a takedown uh-huh. and got reversed. That's a big difference. Okay. So Nate Diaz isn't a wrestler, he, but he's good at jiu-jitsu. So uh-huh. what he does is he'll pepper you in the face so, so much and just – and just uh, frustrate you and annoy you to where you just like don't want it anymore and you shoot for a takedown mm. and then he gets your back and chokes you out which is what him and his brother are so good at or he falls into a that triangle or, naked choke hold, or yeah. a guillotine any choke but uh what connor did differently this time was he paced himself the first fight he, he you know he's used to knocking guys out when you're used to knocking guys out you don't think about saving uh your energy for the fourth and fifth round of the fight right so he i saw the first fight i was there i saw him 
you know, he was putting 100% of his effort trying to knock him out in the first round. Right, in the and second if, round, he was fading. If you don't, if you do that with a guy like, I mean, I fought guys like that where if you don't put him away, like you're in for a long night. So it's better off just taking it easy. You know, guys that, that have seen it all, that have been there, you can't, because if you don't finish him, like you're in deep shit. So mm -hmm. that's what happened with Connor. Do you think, you know, him going up in weight made a big difference? Uh, I don't know. No, because I, I know right now I'm feeling a little bit overweight. Of course, and, of course. And, I, and it feels, you know, I feel it on me. Yeah, he just couldn't not like where he, uh, he would have knocked out a, a lighter guy, he couldn't knock him out. So that's the thing. Like he, a bigger guy can handle more of a punch. Mm -hmm. So that's where you know coming up and waiting, he got surprised. But you know, I'm kind of feeling a little bit overweight right now, and if I, you know, it makes you feel a little bit more lethargic and everything because you, you, you know, look when, like it. Yeah, in round two. You know, he was, I look like, wait a sec, I look like it or he looked like look, it? You look a little lethargic, Dozer. You, you, <laughs> it's because you killed that big buck today, buddy. Well, we'll, get to, we'll get to that buck later. But um, no, seriously, because in round two of the first fight, he just was fading. Yeah, he was trying to he was trying to put everything into his punches, which he could have normally knocked out a, a guy his size. And when you you know the bigger bigger the guys are, the harder harder their chins are. Mm -hmm. So when you don't put them away, you are in big trouble. Like I was saying. Right now, what are your thoughts on you know the, Connor called him out at the end of this fight and he said, "Hey, I I want a rematch." You want a rematch. I want a rematch. Let's do this. Of course, it's the big money fight. Right. Of course, it's big money. But he said, hey, come down to my weight class this time. He's he, come come down. Not, he said come down to 145 or 155. Yeah. Well, whatever his normal weight class his, is. Well, his normal weight class is he's the 145 champ. And There's they no way. 170 on this last fight, yeah, right? Nate Diaz can't make 145. His frame's too big. So he, I, needs I, to go he down probably, to... he probably, it was probably at 155, right. I would think, because Connor's probably going to like gradually make his way back down to his normal weight. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know exactly what he said, but I, I bet it was at 155. So that's, I think, would be even more of a. Uh, a closer fight, and and they probably would both not get as tired as quickly. You know, even though Nate Diaz doesn't get tired, but um, you know, just the less muscle your body carries around, the less oxygen it needs. Well, you know, Nate's a badass fighter, but he doesn't look like he carries around a lot of muscle. He you doesn't. Know, that's he doesn't. But everybody's talked about he, like, he looks yeah, flabby. His well, it's not a bodybuilding contest. I mean, you right. can you know you can put straw through steel, and and I mean steel through straw, and and be a badass. Like look at you know the greatest ever. You know, Fedor, uh, he's he's had a little pot belly on him, but uh -huh. it's like, it's really it's all about body types, and and Nadia's body type is just not one that's can, that gets cut up. You know, it's right. like me and you, we're just kind of have that little bit of little opu on us. I all don't the know time. what you're talking, to. dude. You're ripped <laughs> to the gills, but you know you don't want to fuck with me <laughs> with that little. Give pot me the belly, belly bump, the belly bump. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, these, yeah, it was such a good fight. Um, do you, Connor, saying that he is going to retire? That's kind of the talk around town. Um, he was saying that right before this last fight. Do you see that happening? It's up to him. I mean, how much money and how many blows do you want? It's a, there's a give and take. You know, yeah. how many punches to the head versus how much money? He's already making more money than anybody, pretty much. Mm -hmm. You know, for his, I think he made about ten million on his last fight, whether they disclose it or not. That's probably what he, what he. Uh, you know, before taxes, what he got paid. Yeah. 
So which is good because the UFC didn't pay their guys that no, much they before. Don't. They were like thirty thousand dollar fights. Oh God! Don't, I mean, switching. when I when I signed with them, I was getting uh, four thousand to show and four thousand to win. So wow. it's pretty. It's it's just and the way. You, it, and you take some lickings out there. And, yeah, and that's know, that's just the, that's just the nature of all professional sports on the rise. Like that's happened the same with baseball and mm-hmm. and basketball. The owners make all the money until there's a union. Which uh, that's something I'd be interested in, you know, protecting the fighters' rights. You know, the UFC is doing a better job, you know, giving them insurance and and upping their pay a little bit. But they're also monopolizing pretty pretty bad with their um, sponsors and their, you know, they've alienated a lot of sponsors because now they're only allowing Reebok to sponsor you. And uh, I could talk about it for for days. So we only did have you, one hour. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that one guy last month that was fighting? That had a skull crushed in. Of course, that was so gnarly. Evangelista Santos. That's that's the cyborg. Yeah, you got. I mean, it's just, it's not Tai Bo. You know, it's like they're things very detrimental. I mean, you're trying to take the other guy's head off is the most primal form of combat. I mean, there is a lot of rules to protect the fighters, but mm-hmm. nothing There's can. Not much. Nothing you nothing can protect you from a, a jump knee to the to the brunt of your forehead. I mean, the knee uh, bent. A thrusted knee is like the hardest and most powerful strike you can do, and it's such a big bone that uh-huh. I mean, look at Anderson Silva broke his leg over a bent knee, you know. Um, right. Um, yeah. So I mean, definitely, I've I've had I think seven surgeries or eight surgeries from from fighting, or not all from fighting, but a lot of them were from you know training and mm. and uh, it's it's really hard on the body. That's the only drawback from from mixed martial arts that I saw was just the detriment to the body and the head trauma. Yeah, you know, there's there's been so much head trauma stuff going on, like with the NFL. Um, we've got Junior Seau. You what, know. What's your name again? <laughs> right, Dozer. <laughs> and right now I know you're fucked up. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's so much head trauma stuff that's been controversy and going on and, um, there was uh, a guy last year, I was talking to Sal Mascala doing a podcast with him. And as soon as we finished the podcast, um, one of his good friends, I think it was a BMX guy or something had taken so many, um, gnarly wipeouts and head traumas and concussions. He killed himself. You know, it's, it's, it's something that happens. And, you know, I'm sure in the, in the UFC and mixed martial arts, these guys are getting some major serious head traumas. Have you seen anything like that that affects some of these guys? Uh, um, this is this sport is relatively new, and I'll, a lot of the you know a lot of the uh, fighters, the, the the guys that started out in the sport, um, crossed over into other sports like kickboxing, or they were in it before. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say. You know, those guys are just becoming into their fifties and sixties, so it's hard to say uh, at this point, but. I mean, for sure, like, you know, boxers and kickboxers. Um, I know Gary Goodrich, who was one of the, one of my favorite fighters growing up, he, you know, he, his mom takes care of him now because he forgets everything. And he, uh-huh. he's been knocked out, uh, uh, like, I don't know how many times, probably like probably 20 or 30 times. But his, his really, really bad concussions came from his his kickboxing fights where you get knocked down. You're pretty much knocked out. They stand you back up, give you the eight count, and you're you've already had a concussion, and then you get knocked out again, bad, mm. and that's when your brain gets really rattled, and 
that's when the brain damage occurs, you know, to like it's an ex- exponential uh, brain damage when you get a concussion and then get a second concussion right after that mm-hmm. supposedly is the really the worst which in MMA you get knocked down or knocked out one time it's done there's no standing eight you know they don't count um when it's done it's done so that's one saving grace that we have and you don't have to knock the opponent out you can choke the opponent out or or submit them or or stop it with a cut um which i think i went probably like three or four fights and i didn't get hit once wow you know i just you get in there and you know maybe a little bit of you know small like glancing blows but no real solid you know um detrimental blows to the head and you get in there and you get the win you know just get a flawless victory and it feels great but sometimes you have to go through these wars where you take uh you know some some much more punishment and you don't remember the fight you know you have to watch it on video it's like there's just like little little flashes of of you know like oh you, i remember blood trickling down on my face on the floor mm. and then all of a sudden i got my hand raised like it's like i've had fights like that where you wow. you just you don't remember it you have to have your coach kind of tell you you know what's going on in between rounds and and what you know what's happening and mm-hmm. and and uh yeah it's it's uh it's a combination of an adrenaline dump mixed with uh brain trauma i'd say right have, how many times have you been knocked out uh, I've been knocked out really bad one time, and then I probably suffered like minor concussions, like probably I don't know, fifty times probably. Yeah. But I've I've only been knocked out in a fight like one time, really bad. But a couple times, probably like four or five times, I've been like rocked in a fight, and you know, like and you come back too, and and you know, it's like a flash knockout where you get like rocked meaning like you you get knocked out and then all of a sudden you're back on like you take you're a left, still standing up you're, you're on main street you take a left turn on queer street and then you turn right back on main street you <laughs> right. know like you're just like whoa okay back on it and then you but your body kind of goes on you know you can't see like you're knocked out so your body just kind of keeps continuing on braille right and, and it just knows what to do even though you're not thinking or seeing anything and then all of a sudden you're back on you know, like the yeah, the, that happened to me me once, and I was just trying to break up a fight, and I got sucker punched from the side. Exactly. <laughs> Don't ever do that Don't unless ever it's do your that. friend. Just let it go. Unless and... it's one of your friend or family members, and you'd be the one doing the sucker punching. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, anyway, I got I got sucker punched. I didn't see it, and <laughs> knocked me out while I was on my feet. Just boom, Timber. stars, nice. everything. <laughs> I was at a bar. And so, uh, next thing I know, I was I was a DJ at the bar. Oh the man, way. I wish it's I was there to see all that action. Yeah, oh my god, it was fun. <laughs> and uh, next thing I know, when I came to, and understand, I was standing up the whole time when this happened. Right, I was functional, but I didn't know where I was at. But these girls, hotties, thank God, took me into the bathroom. And when I came to, I was like, "Whoa, where am I?" And your, hey. and your pants were unbuttoned. Hey, how are you? My wallet was gone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I totally know all about that. So yeah, it's 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 a tough thing. How many people have you knocked out? What was your record? Uh, my record was sixteen and four. Uh huh. And yeah, I, I knocked. I, I I broke a couple guys' faces. I broke my hand on one guy's face in Brazil. Like it's it's. I don't remember exactly how many I was more I, I I choked more guys out I was I never liked to hurt people I never was yeah. never wanted to be a fighter I just liked to I was always an athlete and just wanted to uh 
compete, and that was what I competed at best for some reason. So jujitsu was just the best way to not to hurt my opponents and still get the win. Yeah. So I, I I was more of a I, I finished more guys by submission. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you uh, made it out of all of that, and you're sitting right here with me. And you know, you just got back. You were on the East Coast for a while. Um, you started working with uh, the Mauiola Foundation. Yeah. Well, it's, I is, think this is the seventh year or or so that we've done it. Uh, last year I couldn't do it because I was injured. I had that you know my knee and my foot injury, but. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've, I've been with them since pretty much the, um, the first year that we did it. and it's. Um, what did you tell me about the Maoliola Foundation? It's the Maoliola, which so, means the, br- the breath of life. Okay. You can check it out on maoliola.org. And uh, it's a nonprofit, obviously. Uh, f- our focus is to take kids with genetic uh, diseases and disorders surfing, mm-hmm. um, mainly uh, kids that have cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic lung disease, and there's no cure for it, but the uh, the surfing is actually a natural treatment for them because in the hospitals they get uh, what's called a hypertonic saline treatment, which they shoot uh, salt air into their lungs through uh-huh. tubes, and then they get a chest beater and it kind of breaks up the mucus in their lungs with the salt and the and the motion, which in reality is exactly what you get surfing, especially when you wipe out right. or just being on a surfboard and and the the uh, exertion. You know, the, the exercise mixed with the salt air is what helps them live a longer life. Hmm. So, so it's, it's actually almost better for them to kind of take a couple of spills here and there. Yeah, always, always, yeah. I mean, just, just breathing the salt air above the water is really the best thing for them. And then I make them paddle some. And a lot of the kids are so little because the average life expectancy was only seven uh-huh. before this treatment. And now it's 37, which is a pretty much uh, a lifetime. So... Oh uh, yeah, like we just try to get them stoked on surfing, so they'll continue to surf and and uh, you know nag their parents to surf because they're gonna live a longer life, and it's good for the parents, you know, to meet the other parents of the kids. It's like a support group, also. Mm-hmm. But some of the kids that we've taken, uh, like I said, we've been doing it for almost seven years now. You know, they were little kids, and now they're like you know teenagers, and you know, like another like one kid's like a man. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just nice to see their transformation of of a kid to adulthood, and how how good they're surfing. One girl, I I got her stoked on surfing um, in Myrtle Beach. That's where I went to college, and I think she was uh, she's probably about eight or so, and now I think she's uh maybe she was seven and now she's like 13 or 12 or something and and she's traveling a traveling competitive junior surfer wow and she rips and i bet yeah you can definitely uh well you guys you guys have an amazing crew of people that work with you and that travel with you and help all these children and um, people from Kalaw to yep, Mags um, and yep, Kalaw is the vice president. Um, uh, James and Charlie Dunlap uh, started the foundation. There, there's some scientists that are surfers uh, mm-hmm. from Laguna, and they'd come to Hawaii all the time. And they started a genetics laboratory, so they found out that that surfing is a natural uh, healing for cystic fibrosis. And they went to Uncle Eddie and Kalaw and said, "You know, I want to start this. Um, you know, can we can we ask you guys to to get on board with it?" And of course, they were. And then uh, right after that, um, Kalab asked me if I wanted to be involved, and and my passion is helping people. So, and through surfing, what could be better? So I was I was all you know, hundred percent in from the get go. Mm. And we got Sunny uh, Sunny Garcia is traveling with us the last this year. CJ Kanuha, CJ Kanuha, 
the Aloha event, uh, ambassador of Aloha, and then we got yeah. uh, Ulu Boy Napiahi, who yeah. who uh, is he was really the one that, Yeah, he was the he's a kid from my island. Yep, that he got bit by the tiger shark. Yes, he did, and he made uh, a full recovery and full recovery. I, I went out surfing with him on his first uh, first day back out when it went after he got his you know he's healthy enough to surf um, uh, out there where he got bit mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. He's a he's an awesome kid and he is. He's got a really good heart and he shreds. Oh yeah, he shreds and he can bang too. I, I trained him some and he's like, oh, I don't really train. And I was like, yeah, right. Like he he can the kid can punch and kick like a man and he's you know yeah he's he's, he's big. He's not even I don't know how he's like twenty years old or nineteen or something. Nineteen, he's, I think. Yeah, he's a beast. Total beast. Yeah. So you guys uh, pretty much travel all over the country, all over the world, doing this because. Um, while I was in Australia this last year, I was hanging out with a bunch of the boys yeah. at a couple of the events. They went to Australia without me, which I was, uh, now nah, I was busy, but I definitely yeah. would like to go to Australia next year. Yeah, we do, we do events all over the world. Um, you know, I think Australia was our first international, uh, mm-hmm. spot, but we do events in Hawaii, uh, probably like four or five times a year. And then in the summer we do, uh, we do a Northern California tour, go up to Santa Cruz and, um, couple of little uh, uh coastal cities up there and then we go uh then we take a little rest and then in the summer we do our national tour which starts in california goes through arizona texas uh louisiana florida and all the way up the coast right and you guys are in like a rock star van too. yeah we're in we're in like a, a cup like a, a, bus. a million and a half dollar bus you right. know it's 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 really plush with bunk beds and you know a direct, direct tv and, yeah there's yeah. like seven flat screens and uh, yeah, it's a killer bus, and we had an awesome bus driver. This guy Sean had been driving for I don't know how many years, but he could he could back that thing in with a trailer into the tightest spots. It was kind of fun to watch this guy just just crush it, <laughs> you know, That's this cool. huge bus. But um, yeah, on the on the on the tour, all the stops that don't have an ocean or the kids are too sick, we do hospital visits also. Mm-hmm. So we travel. We just hand out posters. I bring my ukulele and play music, and we give them hats and coloring books. And actually, the hats we give out, you can color them, and just kind of you know give them. Bring you them. get a lot of celebrities that come, and other professional athletes that come help join in when you're in different cities and stuff like that. And you guys also do a really good concert yearly up on the North Shore. Yeah, um, we have to. We have to make we have to raise money, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to do all these awesome things. And but we call them fundraisers because we have so much fun doing it. And we have an awesome North Shore benefit every year at Turtle Bay, mm-hmm. and that's our marquee fundraiser for the year. Um, we've had we've had a lot. We had Perry Farrell. We had uh, Pepper. Lisa, yeah, we had Pepper. Um, you know, Makua plays, and I actually was an opening act. I played with this with this other Tahitian band. I played my bass with them one year and um yeah it's that's that's a huge event and it sells out and we have all all these awesome sponsors that buy tables and mm-hmm. everybody gets together and, and uh pitches in and has a great it's a great night if you if you're in, in town every every you definitely need to come to that. Right. Now there there is a lot of people out there that have cystic fibrosis and and all these other kind of diseases that you guys work with and you guys are working on donations. How can any of the people out here get in touch if they want to do donations out there to kind of well, help we, you guys we have out. a uh, we have um, a merchandise online where you can you know buy our merchandise to uh-huh. help support it or you can just make a donation but the merchandise is really awesome we have uh, signature hats I have my own signature hat 
Um, there's about seven or eight or nine other signature hats, and uh-huh. there's, um, you know, all professional surfers or martial artists, um, and they have hoodies that are really kick-ass and different shirts. Um, yeah, it's on maliola.org, so you can go on there and, um, you know, buy a whole bunch of stuff for the holidays coming up. How do, for, how do you spell that? M-A-U-L-I-O-L-A. Okay. Maliola. Dot, dot org. Dot org. It's the breath of life in Hawaiian. Well, it's really, really cool. What are some of the coolest things that you've seen while you've been on one of these trips? Because you've been this, doing it for well, about seven years. Yeah, now. this, this, this. Um, I mean, there's just unlimited awesome experiences that I've had. But this year, uh, the first kid that I took surfing in Texas down in Galveston was like, this is the best day of my life. This is so great. This is the best. He kept saying, this is the best day of my life. And like, you know, with all sincerity. Yeah. And he just didn't want to get out of the water. And I think that same day, uh, Sonny had a kid, and I think they were in the water for like five hours straight. The kid, like Sonny didn't come in, and the kid didn't come in, like because we're pretty much at the whim of their desire. Uh-huh. Where you know they got us, we're there. I'm we're there for them. It's their time. So um, yeah, we're, I'm gonna be out there as long as they want to be out there. That's so cool. As long as they stay hydrated, you know, we'll take little water breaks and stuff. But you know, sometimes the, you know, like when the kids get young, they're really apprehensive. No, don't you know? Mm. But when you get them out there and you you kind of use some some child psychology on them and and get them to to kind of trick them to get out there and then and like you want to how about one more and they're like uh, uh, okay and then by the end of the day a lot of times they're just like they're just super stoked they don't want to get out they of don't the want to get out like I love surfing surfing's the best right and we want that we want that because they're gonna hustle their parents to take them surfing and then they're gonna live a longer healthier life mm. now. Um, Speaking of surfing, you uh, you're kind of a shredder yourself. <laughs> I'm not a shredder. Yeah. Um, I can paddle good, so I can, and I'll take off. That's pretty much all I can do. I'm not yeah, scared. Well, dude, I'm sitting here in your living room, and I'm looking at this photo of you on a humongous wave. Where was that at? Uh, it was superimposed, actually. Superimposed. <laughs> <clears throat> That's at a spot that we we don't like to talk about much, but it was on the North Shore and. We hold it close to our hearts, and I'd, I would get some some threatening. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's it's on the it's on the North Shore, and it's an outer reef that yeah. we like to visit, and it's it's a super good left. And mm-hmm. as you can see in that picture, I'm not going to name it. I actually know where it is, but I'm not <laughs> going to name it. But man, that wave looks so beautiful. You're charging backside, and <clears throat> that thing's just feathering and just. It, it, hell's about to come down on your head right there yeah <clears throat> i was so deep i really the wind was so so you know furious in my face by the time i got to the bottom of the wave i couldn't finally cleared my eyes to see where i was and it was a little bit too late and i think i made it around the first little section but had to had to cannonball off at, at, at some point in that wave but it was worth getting the shot, definitely. Was that one of your most memorable sessions? Uh, no, that's actually the only session that I have a, a picture of because I've had other pictures taken, but I'm not a pro, so they're right. not going to get... I've like I've been like, I'll pay you for the shot, yeah. but I don't have any surfing sponsors, so it just gets kind of buried in the in the, in the the computer. <clears throat> only only with the times that I'm on a wave with Kala or something, do I get a shot, you know, or there's right. when we share, you know, some of the bigger waves at Waimea or whatever, but... Um, well, I do have a couple of uh, really good photographer friends over there. Brian Bielman, who's a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I'm sure we'll be able to just go in there and 
give him a little chokehold there for a second. So yeah. Brian, hey, take some photos. Yeah, so that that's like I said, that was just one one session. I've I mean, I haven't surfed as much as the pros, you know, on, on big waves, but there's been some sessions that I wish to God somebody and I'm sure there's a picture of it somewhere. Yeah. Like the day before the last eddy. I was God, out. That was huge. Yeah, what? I was out that day. I, I kind of just grabbed a board on the on the beach that I'd ridden before, and my friend was using it, and he's like, "Yeah, go for it." And everybody was out there ready, and I just kind of didn't even look. I just mm. I knew it was there's closeout sets. I just put my leash on and just went out. This I didn't have a vest or this is before all there. You know, sure. nobody had any any inflation or anything. I didn't have a a, a rash guard on. I don't think, and uh, I just put my head down and paddled out on on the eleven two. And um, get some good made ones. it made yeah I barely made it out like I I, I it was a, like a feathering closeout came, and I kind of punched through like the lip on the way out like it was kind of chattering and I remember just like okay what do I do and I just kind of punched through it luckily barely made it over, and I think I only caught two or three waves and the last wave I caught there was a huge set like you could see the sets coming from far away oh yeah from three like, tables you just, yeah you just saw it was like black ones coming. And I was like kind of on the inside and I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to stand my ground. And I caught the first wave of the set because everybody was just scratching for the horizon. And luckily I caught it and rode it all the way to the beach and stepped off on the beach. And there's all of a sudden I look and there's like thousands of people like clapping and kids asking for my autograph. I was like, <laughs> this is the first surfing autograph I ever gave. And, and, and then sure some lady caught a few and yeah. some pictures too. Yeah. Some lady's like, I, I got the shot. I got the shot. And then. She's like, "What's your email?" And we were like driving away, and Makua like yelled like some some smart ass remark to her, <laughs> and I never got the picture, of course. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, because any any wave at the bay is a memorable. Well, one, one especially one that you ride all the way to the beach. You know, it's got to yeah. be at least a twenty footer. So, yeah, that was a good wave, and I've caught some other um, good waves. I still haven't got a good one at Jaws. I I surfed Jaws a few times, and last year mm -hmm. I just got caught by a big one. And what's your backyard? Yeah, it's my backyard, but it's uh, now it's everybody's, um, yeah. you know, spot. playground. Yeah, and it's kind of it's the the most dangerous thing about Jaws is that there's so many guys there now. So many, and it's an awesome wave. I don't think it's any more you know gnarly than any of the other big waves, but the the what makes it so gnarly is the how many skis and people are trying to get the shot. It's like it's like pipeline on steroids, mm -hmm. you know, backdoor on steroids. So yeah. And and nowadays it's about everyone trying to get the shot, like you yeah. said. So I, I mean, it'd be cool to get a get a big barrel there and get a picture of it. But I mean, it's just I love surfing big waves. Sit on that inside bowl with Albie, and you'll get it. Yeah, that's what I did last time, and all of a sudden a huge west swinger came, and I got video of that. Yeah, and I tried to punch through, and my board pulled me over the falls with me, and I didn't have a. I had like a little old tow vest that couldn't even float me without. Uh, you know, just gave me a little bit of buoyant, buoyancy and my leash popped off and my board went in and I got caught by like three or four after it. And probably like the fourth wave, there was like like two or three feet of foam on the surface. And that was like the most hardest part to get up to the surface because you can't really get to the surface right? because there's so much foam. And I was kind of out of breath already and had no board. And my ski guy driver didn't even see me go over the falls. And luckily, um, Curtis, Curtis Kunchunky came and grabbed me. Um, or else I would have been washed on the rocks. I was probably two ways from going on the rocks myself. So, wow. but I got my board fixed, and um, my Jimmy Lewis uh, beautiful board he shaped me. He doesn't really shape hardly any boards anymore. 
Yeah. And he shaped me a beautiful board. So and he's world class too. Um, yeah. We actually, uh, you and I have something in common besides surfing and all this other fun stuff. But uh, you know, we're we're diehard bow hunters, and Jimmy Lewis's son hunts with us as well too, Marlon. Yeah, my little protege. Yeah, he's such a cool cat. He's great. Yeah. <clears throat> he's, he also trains jujitsu with me and. And uh, we've we've been diving together, and I remember I took him and Billy Kemper hunting out here, like, I don't know how many years ago. They <clears throat> they were both, like, 16, maybe. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I, I, I really like Marlon. He's got the, he's got a great head on his shoulders, and he's, he's stoked on bow hunting. I mean, how could you not be? It's the, the, the it's such a primal art, and it's so, it seems so fair and, and natural to me. You know, I'll hunt with a gun sometimes, but bow hunting is hands down uh, my favorite type of hunting. Yeah, mine as well. And and your backyard here is loaded. We're looking at this sunset right now, and the deer are about to start popping up. This is usually the time that you and I are just kind of cruising around out there and getting creepy looking for some deer. Yeah, we could. We could. If you finish this up, we could, we could run out there real quick. I actually have a flight tonight, but... I, you know, I'm stoked because this morning I did a hunt with our good friend Jeff and I scored. I got a nice buck. You've been long overdue. I've been long overdue. I've been long overdue. I yeah. think the last one I got was with you, wasn't it? I yes, don't know. it was. It was. You've gotten a couple with me, but I, I got a doe. I got a doe. Yeah, that's with right. You. That's right. And that was the last year I got. So, except for the ones I got in Australia. Yeah, it seems so. It's like you got to get the monkey off your back. It seems so hard, and then when you start, sh- when you get a couple down, then you, you have this confidence. And I swear, having the confidence is is paramount because it's just like anything you mm-hmm. do. If you can start, you know, getting hitting that X when it when the time counts, um, then you you just it just gets more natural and more natural. You don't get buck fever and start squeezing your bow and shaking and you know trying to settle that bubble is you know you just get more and more calm and that's mm-hmm. that's fun yeah you know there's there's times it doesn't matter you know that animal's so majestic and big and you know you you got to not look at the horns and you got to look at the animal and focus on that and otherwise breathe. and breathe that's why you got to practice do your yoga regularly so you get focus on the breath yeah and practice every single day yeah every single day and you do that out here and bring home the freaking meat every single yeah. day. And how good is this axis deer? It's like the best meat on the planet. Yeah, I've been I think the first time I, I killed a deer I was probably like fourteen or fifteen maybe. And I've been eating it ever since. So I was like, Wow, this is this is readily available resource forever. Mm-hmm. And now there's just it's just they're they're multiplying like crazy. The the herds are getting bigger and bigger every seems like every month yeah they're almost like rats yeah mice i mean they're ready to move into my house and kick me out there's so many <laughs> well i'll help you make sure that doesn't happen yeah. that way i get to take some home to the big island for myself because i know my son's sitting at home right now going bring home that meat i think that was one of the most uh, advantages i had when uh, when getting ready for a fight being able to eat red meat but but not putting on any of the the calories that from the cholesterol that like mm-hmm. beef has and pork you know, uh, venison is just so lean and organic. I, I just, and organic. I just felt the strongest uh, when eating venison. It's just whatever it is with my blood type or whatever. But 
it just feels makes me feel like the strongest I could possibly feel. Now you've got some really cool stuff going on over here right now. Um, you're kind of retired out of the UFC now, and uh, you're kind of starting this beautiful organic farm here. You've got so much stuff growing on around here from different fruit trees to vegetables and what's your plan here? What do you what do you got? Yeah, my I mean my dad and my mom um started started this place probably before I was born. So we have a lot we have a probably four acres of mature orchard. We have avocados, we have all different citrus, we got cherimoyas and mangoes. I love cherimoyas, it's like ice cream. Yeah. So we have we have a lot of beautiful trees, but there's probably uh, about three acres of our eight acre parcel that's that's just pretty much overgrown and it's what we have now is is a huge job it's a full-time job just keeping up the maintenance we do have a garden um it, it feeds our family but this land that we have up here in kula is the country i mean it's just for farming you know you can it, there's we have like two feet of topsoil pretty much on this entire property that you could just plant anything and it will grow and I'm a firm believer of being self-reliant and also doing what is what the land is calling for. So if you live in the city or, you know, you can you can make money doing other things. But this having this property, it's almost like I have an obligation to plant it and, and to farm it because that's what this land is for. It's for farming. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the best soil probably in the world. I'll put it, it hands down. And so, yeah, so I. I just finished building my house that uh, I just did some renovation added on and I built two little tiny homes. One's actually an ice cream truck where I'm going to have some people uh, that are going to live there for, for, you know, work trade. And, and I'll probably build a couple more for people. Like Wolfers. F- right. Wolfers. Yeah. Organic, uh, you know, work people that, that want to be, uh, they want to understand uh, how to, plant something and harvest it and process it because there's a huge disconnect in the world. Uh, you know, 5% of the population supplies 95% of the people with food. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the next, the newest generation, they have no idea where food comes from, how to do any of it, which is, you know, kind of scary, especially living on Maui where I would say uh, at least 80% of everything is brought in, if not more. Mm. Uh, even the produce, which is really, really sad because we have, a, a, you know, we can grow 365 days a year here, and yet all of our stuff is brought in from, you know, Mexico, Mexico or California, which... You know, you go into Costco, it's like that just even with the fish. Yeah. It's like we're in the middle of the ocean, and our guys are out there, they're catching mahi they're catching onos, they're catching ahis. And you see it's all coming from the Marshall Islands. It's coming from you name it. It's 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 there's so many big or organizations with the government and all that that like my brother, he works on the barges, so they have to keep them employed. So they gotta they have to have agreements to bring over such and such uh foods and whatnot. I mean it's just a whole huh. racket. But the scary thing is if those barges stop coming, which is completely possible. I mean we're just it so used to nine eleven. We're just so used to this, like, oh, everything's good. You know, we don't need to worry about any, you know, like just this this reality we have right now is the best it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And I just would, would prefer to be um, eating what I grow, first of all. You know, like I know what's in it. I know what it's grown with. And being able to go out and pick a fresh salad at any time or make smoothies from the, from the fruit from my orchard. 
Um, but also, if the barges do stop coming to Hawaii, know uh, that you're fully self-sustained. Exactly, and and like a lot of these ninety, like so much of the stuff isn't organic. It's all sprayed, and it's just people being lazy. I mean, it, there's old pesticides and all this other stuff has only come about in the last century. People have been growing stuff forever. Mm -hmm. So we're just becoming lazy trying to make, you know, make a dollar pretty much. But in reality, they're just poisoning the soils and, and uh, just, you know, just cutting corners. Whereas, you know, we just need to grow like how God intended, right? you know, using the natural um, insecticides and whatnot. Try, try and grow a cucumber in uh, three weeks instead of a month and a half, whatever long it takes, just like the chickens or the cattle. They're feeding them with so many hormones and mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And um, being organic and just letting it be how it's supposed to be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. So anyway, that's what I'm, I'm my my next uh, goal, I would say, of the next year or two is just to get this place to where it's a functioning farm and we have a surplus of goods that can be traded or sold at the farmer's market. Um, that's what I'm working on at this moment. Cool. Um, you know, you're 36 years old. Uh, any plans of getting married, having kids? You, know, um, you got this beautiful place here, you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm just so selfish. I mean, I throw I'm some sure. seed down. Man. <laughs> it, it would start probably farming some kids. Yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm. I'm just having too much fun doing me for now. I'm not ready to uh, put the put the focus on somebody else just yet. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I am seeing some deer going across this back right now, and I do have a little bit of time left here, so um, why don't we just wrap this thing up and let's try and get on these bucks right over here. What do you think? That sounds good, man. I got, I got, I'm always down to, to let one fly. Let's do it. <laughs> now, where can people find you at get on social media? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've an Instagram, and I don't really check my Facebook. Um, I think I still have my website, which is... Just my full name, nissanostronek.com. But um, yeah, send me an email, follow me on Instagram. Cool. At nissanostronek and see all the fun stuff that we're doing and come join us. And you definitely are doing fun stuff. Well, let's go do some fun stuff right now. Nissan, thanks for being on the show. Super excited. And dude, I'm ready to go get on one of these. Things. Always a pleasure hanging out with you, Doze. All right, brother. Mahalos, and thanks, everyone, and uh, hui ho. Aloha. Thanks, Nissan, for being on the show. I look forward to doing many, many more podcasts with you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks to my sponsors, such as uh, Kona Boys. If you're ever here on the Big Island, you know Kona Boys is the first place you guys should stop at. They've been serving up gear for island life and aloha living since 1996. They're the one-stop shop for ocean fun. They operate a legit selection of local-style activities, including historical va'a rides, paddleboard tours, and lessons. And they're one of the only companies permitted to do kayak tours in Kalakikua Bay. So if you guys need to rent or buy surfboards, bicycles, boogie boards, or other beach goodies, Kona Boys is your spot. They have two locations, one down in Captain Cook, down by the hospital, and the other one, down at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel, Kamakahonu Bay. And it's awesome, man. They also have a website. Go check them out there. Uh, www.konaboys.com. Just for listening, you get 15% off when you enter in promo code Doze Nose. 
or just go right in the store and see the guys. Tell them the same thing. I heard this on Doe's Nose. Get 15% off. They're going to love you. Frank and Brock, they're the best. Um, Original Nutritionals. These guys aren't your regular meathead supplement brand. It's pure, basic, essential food and supplements to support a clean athlete lifestyle. Head over to OriginalNutritionals.com. Grab what you need for listening. Once again, 15% off at checkout by entering in Doe's Nose. I'm loving their fish oils and their whey products that they're giving me right now. It's just the little cocoa peanut butter little energy packets I'm slamming every day. This is the best. If you're ever in L.A., Venice Beach, then you definitely need to go check out Deuce Gym. It's where I go, lift weights, do some cardio, strength training, whatever. They've got it there for you. These guys are the best. They know what they're doing. Go check them out. Deuce Gym in Venice Beach. GoPro, those little tiny cameras that you guys put on your heads, on your surfboards, on your bicycles. Yep, well, they've been transforming the way people visually capture and share their lives. GoPro has become a standard for how people capture themselves engaged in their interests, whatever they may be. So from extreme to mainstream, professional to consumer, GoPro enables the world to capture and share its passion in the form of immersive and engaging content. Go check them out at GoPro.com or find them on all social media outlets. Hurley Clothing, the best board shorts on the planet. That's what these guys make, hands down. But, but you know, I, I'm just super stoked. They, they have something going on this next two weeks where it's the Hurley Pro in Southern California down at Trestles. So you guys are going to want to go check them out. See all the top stars like Chris Amore, John John, Philippe Toledo, so many more. And uh, go see what kind of clothes they're wearing, man. They've got little stores set up right there. Go buy some clothes. And uh, tell them you heard it on Doe's Nose. They're going to be super, super pumped. They may throw something in there special. We'll see. I don't know. Maverick Sport Fishing right here in Kona. Call Captain Trevor Child, 808-896-7985. Or go visit them at mavericksportfishingkona.com. These guys have the sickest boat here in Kona. It's beautiful, air-conditioned, living room, kitchen, bedrooms, toilet, um, top-of-the-line gear. They specialize in half-day charters, three-quarter-day charters, full-day charters, overnight charters. They'll put you on the biggest fish around. Gotta love them. Um, Kona Coffee and Tea is where I get my morning crack on every single morning. So if you're ever in Kona, go check these guys out. Come see me down there. I'm usually down there around 8.30 every morning getting some coffee. Love to see you. Love to chat with you. And you can see all the beautiful people that work there. Once again, thanks everyone for tuning in. And until next week, uh, hooey ho. If you don't know, now you know.